Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. I'm Simone de Rochefort. I'm a video producer at Polygon.com, and I'm joined by my lovely co-hosts, Christina Warren, Senior Cloud Developer Advocate, and Brianna Wu, Democratic Candidate for Congress. Woo! Welcome! What an exciting day for us. We, We are making, listeners, we are making a rocket sandwich today, (laughs) except the actual ingredients of the sandwich are uh, vegetarian because uh, apple is the meat of our sandwich. And flanking that beautiful, luscious apple meat will be discussions of IBM and Red Hat's interesting week and also the game lineup for the PlayStation Classic, which I'm sure we have a lot to say about when the time comes. <laughs> but first of all, Christina, can you can you walk me through? So IBM has put in a truly massive bid to purchase Red Hat. And they, there's something like 24 hours left for someone to counter that bid. What does this mean? Also, no okay. additional information. CSNBC, CNBC called it a desperate deal. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so the, 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 the TLDR is that IBM has bid $34.8 billion <laughs> for Red Hat. And uh, honestly, this is like anybody who's ever like, look, Linux lost on the desktop. Linux yep. lost in terms of a consumer facing OS. I mean, Android is, is based on the Linux kernel, but, but it's different. Like it, it lost in all those capacities, but it is proven time and time and time again that it is one and is one big money and 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 Red Hat which was one of the original open source companies and and I remember when it went public in um in 99 at the height of the dot com um boom and and you know they were it was one of the first billion dollar um uh, open source companies and that was considered a really big deal because it had a market cap of over a billion dollars and that was like a decade ago to see the fact that IBM you know this stalwart in computing is uh, is willing to spend thirty four point eight billion um, for, uh, for for Red Hat is uh, is wow. Um, I this isn't going to be super interesting to most of our listeners, so I won't like bore everybody with the details. But I think from a business standpoint, this is really interesting because, as CNBC said, um, this is kind of it does kind of reek in some ways. Some people are, are viewing this as a desperate move that IBM is has missed out on kind of the ongoing, you know, wave of cloud computing. And uh, mm-hmm. disclosure, I do work at Microsoft and I work in, in the Azure group, which is our cloud computing group. Um, but but IBM, um, kind of like Oracle, isn't really a major player. They, they have a cloud of sorts, but it's not really um, competitive the same way that, you know, you, you have Amazon number one, Microsoft is number two, Google is number three, and then way like down the line, you have like Oracle and... and um, and um, I guess like Dell EMC maybe has one and and IBM and, and things like that. And so IBM's kind of missed this this wave. And so a bunch of their business now is is kind of consulting and is is working with um, enterprise clients who still you know buy their services. And a lot of those services end up being reliant on open source software, um, namely um, uh, containerized solutions, things that use, um, uh, you know, like, like like Docker or other containers. And then those those containers need to be orchestrated, which is using a, a software called Kubernetes, uh, which is also open source. And this is where Red Hat comes into play. So Red Hat historically is, is one of the biggest um, contributors to the Linux kernel. 
They make Red Hat um, Enterprise Linux. They also, um, you know, oversee a bunch of community projects. But last year, they spent $250 million and bought something called CoreOS. And CoreOS is basically kind of like a, a management console of sorts for Kubernetes, which in itself is kind of an orchestration thing. And um, that was a really uh, bold move. And a lot of people said, oh, wow, you know, it's clear that Red Hat uh, wants to kind of really take control over the Kubernetes space and go to other cloud providers like, you know, Google or, or, or Microsoft or, or AWS and, and say, or, or to independent clients and say, hey, if you want to containerize your stuff, we have the software and the tooling that can make that work. Um, that, I believe, is why IBM is, is paying all this money, because they don't really have a public cloud strategy. Nope. Um, all their clients want containerized stuff. And the, the, the real heart and soul of this isn't even so much the Red Hat Enterprise Linux, which, you know, because it's open source, anybody could compile Red Hat offer support. But it's, it's this kind of future direction and investment in um, something that they call OpenShift, and, um, op, and which, which is, you know, um, a kind of combined with, a, with CoreOS. Um, it's, a, it's a lot of money, but it's, I think it's, it's IBM's, their thought is this is their best bet to try to jump on this uh, very uh, big and, and big money-making um, trend with future computing. Can you catch up on years of technological innovation with money? Um, yes and no. Uh, sometimes you can, um, but oftentimes not. I think the, again, though, IBM is basically a consultancy at this point, right? Like, I don't think that that IBM, I don't think you can catch up in the sense that if IBM were trying to create their own public cloud, that's going to be really hard. <laughs> they don't have the servers. They don't have the infrastructure, um, you, kind of the know-how. I mean, Microsoft, where I work, you know, started behind Amazon and 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 fumbled and now is is doing really well, but it took a long time uh, to to figure things out. And 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 Microsoft is a company that's been doing creating products for the data centers for a long time, and and IBM obviously has too. I think what they're hoping is that since so many of their clients are wanting to go into this next direction, that this will. I guess, maybe position them in a way where they can say, hey, we do this too, and we're investing in these things, and mm. we have a solution for you. I don't necessarily know where the innovation goes. That's a, a, a much more difficult question. Uh, but I, I, I mean, I, money helps, but I, I don't think it's necessarily going to, uh, to, to, to buy Mindshare, but at least it <laughs> offers a solution. Okay. You know what this reminds me of, Christina? Do you remember when, uh, no offense to Microsoft, but uh, your handset strategy was completely failing? Oh, and yeah. You tried to buy Nokia for uh-huh. uh, seven point something billion. Yep. And it was a Hail Mary to try to stay relevant in the handheld world. And it failed, and Nokia failed, and yep. you eventually just wrote off that uh, $7.6 billion. Uh-huh. Uh, it's exactly what this feels like for me. You know, liquid computing, I, I would say this even if you weren't on the show here. Like Microsoft is leading the entire industry in liquid computing. I think within a very short time we're going to see your solutions take over Amazon solution. Like you're just, you're leading the world there. And yeah, you've got IBM asking themselves, how can they stay relevant? Because they, you know, it's like the, the laptop segment that's not relevant anymore. Consulting, everyone does consulting. And it's like, what do you have that's relevant to cloud computing, liquid data, containerized like development, all these really big directions that the market is moving in. 
And the answer is not much. Uh, you know, I think uh, something a lot of people think of with Linux is they think of the, you know, Mint or some user, like right. consumer focused thing. The truth is a lot of Linux runs backend. Uh, it's extremely Absolutely. popular for server architecture and it won. It, it, won, it won the server wars it won big and, time. and everything else lost. And, uh, you know, to the extent that Red Hat can make itself... Uh, you know, relevant in there. I think there's. I think there's money to be made. I think there's relevance to be had. But uh, yeah, make make no mistake here. This is a company that's in a really bad position and is trying to do a hail mary. And because I always root for companies to do well, I hope it works out better than the Nokia play did. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. And I, I think my biggest concern, and it's funny because I feel like I now understand. Um, a lot of the, I mean, even even when the when when the announcement happened, I, I understood why so many people were hesitant and fearful when it was announced that Microsoft was going to buy GitHub, and that acquisition closed last week. By the way, um, working at Microsoft and, and and knowing internally how the culture is, I felt very confident that that the acquisition um, would be a good thing, and, and that the uh, that the uh, you know the team would do everything they could not to impede on the GitHub culture. But I I I understood you know the consternation. Now I kind of almost feel like the the inverse, where like I look at IBM buying Red Hat, and even though I don't use a lot of Red Hat stuff, it makes me kind of like shiver. I'm going, oh my gosh, you know, I don't want IBM to ruin the culture that is that is let you know Red Hat propagate. And and I've talked to friends who work there, and and everybody seems just kind of bewildered and and doesn't really know what to do. Plenty of people are excited, you know, um, that. The, the the multiple that they're they're spending you know on this certainly means that people who have stock are probably going to do well for themselves. But you're right. I mean this 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 is a hail mary pass uh, for, for for relevancy. And I think the biggest my biggest kind of concern would be, and we'll move on. I promise because I know this is boring for everybody. Would be you know if the people who are actually innovating at Red Hat um, and there's been a lot of that. If that culture doesn't remain to exist because IBM isn't really known for that or, and hasn't been for a long time. Um, and letting people kind of try other things and, and contribute things to the community, then the power that they are maybe buying goes away a little bit, if that makes any sense. Like, I feel like more than even the GitHub acquisition, this is one of those things where it's going to be really important that um, the culture remain intact because otherwise you just spent $34 billion on some software, um, but not necessarily, you know, um, the people who are going to continue working on it um, and, and making things better. Yeah. Do you have a final thought, Bree? Yeah, I just want to say, uh, yeah, Microsoft, we, we were there at Build this year. And one of the things that struck me is that we've talked a lot about the new Microsoft. It's younger, it's more innovative, it's faster, it's willing to take risks. When you look at GitHub and you look at the culture of the new Microsoft, those two things are simpatico. I get it. Um, now, I will fully admit, I only know probably... 10 people that work at IBM. So I'm not as plugged into the culture there. But at first blush, IBM, which, you know, how is IBM like with one letter up in each direction and open source development? It's just, I, I understand the shared values with server architecture, but it, it's, it's got some stuff to prove there. So <laughs> I wish them the best and I doffed my hat. 
Well, you know what you won't be spending $34.8 billion on? (laughs) It's Squarespace, which is bringing you this episode. Also, that's totally going to be the episode title, by the way, $34.8 billion, because it's some of money that you don't hear about every day. Unless maybe you read, I don't know, a certain kind of article where they talk about large kinds of money. Anyway, Squarespace. That's where you can make your next move because Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. I have been seeing Squarespace ads in the New York City subway, and they have some great ideas for websites, such as websites about bicycles, websites about cooking. You should not, I mean, you should look at those. But if you do, you know, go the Squarespace route, use Rocket's code. Don't listen to the subway people. We're competing. It's a, it's a cutthroat economy out here. It is. It is. Everybody use our code. Use no one else's. Always. But absolutely gaze upon the ads in the subway. Oh yeah, no. Look at them. Just you know, use our code when you when when you decide to to to, to, to build your website. It's, it's war subways. I'm taking the MTA down. Anyway, whether you want to create an online store or a portfolio or a blog. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, and no upgrades needed. You don't gotta worry about it. Squarespace has it covered. They also have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help along the way. They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name and all of their award-winning templates are beautifully designed so that you can show off your great ideas. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but today, today, friends, you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com slash rocket. Did you hear me? That's the URL that you want, slash rocket. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code ROCKET to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and to show your support for ROCKET. (laughs) Once again, that's squarespace.com slash ROCKET with the offer code ROCKET to get 10% off your first purchase. Thank you so much, Squarespace. Can I can I do the entire thing again, but emphasize the wrong syllable in each word? I feel like you kind of did that the first time. Through. <laughs> <laughs> like I swear, I swear, I swear on my love of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're sitting there and you're just randomly emphasizing <laughs> words. And I'm like, yeah, I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, you could try to study a Simone ad read for your entire life and not even like a Saturday Night Live expert could recreate this. That's, no, I wish they would try. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. No, no, you're, you're exactly correct. And it's, yeah. it's why we've spent almost 200 episodes just like loving every <laughs> bit of you. Like it's just, it's amazing. Yeah. How can how can we parry that into a Squarespace website idea? I'll think Bam, about it. Uh, bad ad reads dot something. Wow. I don't know. I, wow. I think you should start your own competitor bad, to Squarespace. Bad, bad meaning badass, Trump. not not Thank bad you. as in like negative. Most oh, I love successful adreads.com. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Wow. Wow. All right. Moving on to other things that aren't. Uh, desperate deals. 
<laughs> Apple had their event in Brooklyn today, which was very exciting when I realized that it was just across the river for me and I could go say hi to Tim Cook, which I did not. Um, I got like multiple like texts from people who actually took selfies with him. I was really upset Furious. that I wasn't there, especially oh. since it was since it was at BAM and I was like like I used to live within walking distance uh, of where it was. So I was a little, I was a little annoyed, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's cool. Is it, is it cool? It was a good event. This was a yeah. very strong event. I thought this was a much oh, I stronger thought you were event. Talking about the people taking photos and sending them no, to you, no, which is deeply uncool. No, I, I was, yeah, I was, I was yeah. stoked for them. I was like, good for you. Like, okay. I wish You're I was a bigger there. person than me. <laughs> but yes, Brie, continue. No, I mean, I was excited. On obviously, I, I, I went back with squeals. But yeah, I mean, like, good for them. I was jealous. I'll admit it. <laughs> you interviewed Tim Cook. You don't need the selfie. There's, there's <laughs> like, yeah, like, okay, like, okay, fair yeah. enough. I did. I interviewed him, and it was great. But like, because I interviewed him, I couldn't be like, yo, can I get a selfie? That True. Doesn't work. You got to have one or the other. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. That's fair. Anyway, and I'll take I, the interview. I'm just saying, you know. Yeah, that's that's the higher get, I think, professionally. <laughs> so, Oh, yeah. Get, For oh, now, no. in 2020, it's going to be the Grams. <laughs> so the event was very I want to good. talk about the event. Please. The event itself was very, very strong. I agree. I think this was better than the Apple uh, keynote event. Uh I, I, I well, let's just take it one at a time. Let's yeah. start the talk. The new yeah. MacBook Air. Um, yeah, you want to introduce every one of them? Uh, sure thing. So yes, Tim Cook today announced the new MacBook Air, which is basically modernizing the MacBook Air that is so beloved by everyone. And I'm not going to say anything snide about the profile of the MacBook Air because it doesn't have a place here. Anyway, the MacBook Air now has a Retina display. It's got the same colors as the other, the regular MacBook. Um, it is functionally that the screen size is bigger, but because they got rid of the huge bezel, uh, it has a smaller footprint. And I think probably most importantly, actually most importantly, is that they're completely made of recycled aluminum, which is incredibly <laughs> baller. Um, yeah, that's so cool. That I have to say, if you watch the keynote, recycled aluminum got like a minute of applause. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then yeah. they announced the the Mac Mini, and it got maybe four seconds of applause. It was yeah, so I'm, awkward. Well, yeah, well, yeah well, they had a lot. Of, apparently, they had like a lot of like Apple people there. <laughs> it was like, and it was like clear, like from like the listening to the applause breaks, which is cool. Like that's awesome. Like be proud of what you do. Like I, I totally understand it. It's just you know, it comes across weird if you're not there in person. Everyone knows that the employees of Apple are absolutely nuts for saving the environment. They just go mm. wild over that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they love it. Fair. Anyway, the other uh, really important thing is it has two USB C Thunderbolt three ports, which. New for that machine. Hooray. Bye. MegSafe is finally dead. <laughs> Sorry. I loved you. I loved you once. I love you now. I still have you on my I still love you. MacBook Are you kidding Pro. me? Like it's, it, 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 honestly, the, the world is worse without it. Yeah. Like, that's one of the reasons I like, I like the service connector because it's, it's both. Mm-hmm. So those are just the, that's the basic overview of the MacBook Air. Do you guys feel that this modernization of it um puts it puts it on par with everything else Apple's putting out right now? I'm so confused. I'm I am so too. confused by this choice. Okay, so there was a tweet where there are now 
18 uh-huh. different entry level models. Uh-huh. And to God, Christina, I, help me. I was really hoping you would help me understand this because I just don't. Yeah. Okay. You got the MacBook Air. It's Mm -hmm. got the scissor key design that's in the MacBook, the 12 inch MacBook. It's got the retina display. It doesn't have USB ports. Why does one exist and the other exist? I don't understand. Thank uh, thank you. This this is my confusion as well. Also, it it starts at $100 less than the 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 12 inch MacBook which is still being sold was not updated although the colorway was changed weirdly but the processor was not so they're still selling the 2017 model which was using kind of the older stuff that hasn't been been updated um uh and uh yeah I don't understand why and and then the, uh, and Antec uh figured this out um the chip that is in the new MacBook Airs it is slightly higher wattage than the chip that's in the MacBook, but it is the same kind of low-powered version. So you're not so so an i5 is not an i5 is not an i5. So for instance, like the i5 that you would get in a MacBook Pro is going to be higher wattage and so thus like more powerful. Whereas the one in the Air, because it takes less power and that's how they're getting the battery life, won't be as powerful. If that makes any sense. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a weird thing, right? So, so it's kind of this cross. It's kind of I don't I don't know why both exist. I was trying to figure this out too. Like, part of me wonders. I mean, and I'd said I I what I'd kind of expect them to do because originally when the MacBook came out, I said this is your new MacBook Air, and I said you know in five years or whatever, every laptop is going to look like this, and. I, I, I truly expected that to happen. Um, that hasn't really happened. And, and, and part of it is because the single port, um, you know, I think was, was too much of a limiting factor and, um, the price and performance ratio just wasn't there. But I, I, you know, weirdly, I almost feel like you should rename these devices, right? Like what they announced is the MacBook Air. That's mm-hmm. the MacBook. And then, right. like, the MacBook Air would be, like, what the MacBook is. I don't know. but That I don't honestly understand. makes sense to me because the when I hear Air, I have the connotation in my head of, like, okay, this is the cheap model. This is not I, – I, I compare it in my brain to the Pro, Air versus Pro. Right. But that's not quite the case anymore. Right. right. I mean, I mean, it, it's weird. But, yeah, but to your point, Brie, like, yeah, I have no – like – if it were me, I mean, other than at this point, I feel like the 12-inch MacBook is a status symbol object, and that's it. Yeah, I mean... I mean, I think I, it's a great I, machine, I, but, but I'm saying as of today... It's a beautiful, useless little machine. Well, I don't think it's useless, but I think as of today, there's no reason why you get the MacBook over the MacBook Air. Well, it's slightly smaller, isn't it? Yeah, it is, but 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 it's it's it's... You know, but the new MacBook Air is still smaller than the old MacBook um, Air, and so I mean, it's it's smaller, but it's I don't know, I I don't feel like that, I don't feel like the the you know half an inch, I don't even know, I don't I don't feel like that, I don't feel like that is. And what's the price difference between them again? Um, the hundred bucks is is the starting price. Um, but also the the thing too is that you get you know like, um. A second uh, USB, uh, uh, a second Thunderbolt um, three mm-hmm. port, mm-hmm. right? Which to me would would be far more important than you know I the guess, weight. I mean, I say this as someone who really, I I have the twelve inch MacBook. I love it. I bought a third generation, but this year I finally moved back to a MacBook uh, Pro, right? Or my portable machine. So I have an iMac. I have a thirteen inch MacBook Pro. 
the the truth that I have found in my experience is that the twelve inch MacBook just has too many compromises to make it a truly usable day by day machine. The third generation, the chip is faster, but dongle hell is a real <laughs> kind of hell. It's totally. horrible. It's horrible. I hate bringing that darn thing around in my purse <laughs> everywhere I totally. go. Uh, it's frustrating to not be able to plug in USB keys. And I realize that is a problem that now exists across the entire MacBook line. But the keyboard, the travel on it blows. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, how about this? Like uh, my first one, I dropped it in a hotel bathroom and like dented it very, very seriously in the side. It's relatively fragile. So, um, you know, when it comes to this computer being out, like a uh, friend of the show, Joanna Stern over at WSJ, she loves, 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 loves her MacBook Air. And she was clapping when this came out and is mm-hmm. psyched for it. I don't understand it because it's the exact same machine as the 12-inch MacBook, except it's got a triangular form factor and maybe slightly faster. I, I literally don't understand this. Yeah. Um, well, I, th- I think that so many people have, really great memories of what a workhorse the air was. Right. Because honestly, like the first air was this overpriced, really thin, beautiful laptop that you couldn't really get any work done on. <laughs> and then when the 2010 remodel happened, and then especially like 2011, when they started updating the specs more, like you suddenly you had like this form factor where you had this everyman computer, where you had this Mac that, you know, you had MagSafe, you had USB, you had a, a an SD card slot. Like you could do what you you had um a, you know they eventually they add like a um a, a mini display port uh thing like it was awesome and it was far more powerful and you could do way more on it than you thought you could and then you know so light that you you forgot about it and I think people just kind of like gravitated towards that and that was like oh my gosh this is the best ultrabook ever and that's why every single ultrabook copied the MacBook Air I think the 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 problem is is like you said like at this point um also it was the cheap one relatively speaking. Um, and, and, and for a lot of people that meant that you could, you know, especially with discounts and stuff, you could get in the door for, you know, thousand, twelve hundred dollars and, and have a very reliable machine. And, and, you know, certainly like I had one at Mashable, I had one at Gizmodo. I usually used, um, MacBook pros, but, but like my work issued machine was, was a MacBook air and I did mm-hmm. so much stuff on them and, 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 and like way more than you would think that you would, um, so I think that the price thing is a big part of it. Um, and I think that uh, just, you know, people like maybe that form factor. But I'm with you. I mean, I think that this is the second port genuinely to me is a big is a big game changer. Because really? why? Yeah, because you can't the current one, unless you have the dongle, you can't charge and then use something else at the same time. It's one lane. So I, I honestly feel like if I needed to have something plugged in, and then if I did need to have like a dock or whatever, then I could do that. Um, I just feel like one port is way too limiting. Um, like I'm probably going to buy one of these for my mom. Uh, I will. I will probably wind up getting her a MacBook um, Air. Um, I've been looking at getting her like a 12 inch MacBook, and even though she doesn't have that many you know port things, I would have to get her some some accessories for some of her things, and I would just be concerned with like, okay, well, if she needs to if she needs to charge at the same time that she wants to use this, you know, is she going to know that? It, can she use pass through? Like it just becomes a whole thing. So honestly, I feel like two ports. I feel like that's a big deal. I I can just speak. I can just speak from my experience with this. I have uh, because you always have to have the dongle with you if you're plugging. In my experience, if you're yeah. ever plugging uh, anything in to use it, 
Uh, I don't own a USB-C to lightning cable. Maybe other people, I don't even know if they exist. They do. Uh, okay, that's awesome. Uh, they're, they're like 40 bucks. <laughs> okay, well, there we go. Yeah, and only Apple um, makes them. It's frustrating. Right. Okay, so I don't own, a, I have things that charge via USB, but I have no accessories that I currently use with my MacBook that go USB-C. I don't have any uh, you know, USB thumb drives. I don't have any like mics to record Rocket on. Uh, I don't have any external keyboards to hook up that way. Uh, I don't have a NIC adapt network adapter that uh, plugs into USB-C. There's never been any situation where I need to plug something into my MacBook where I'm not using a darn $80 dongle at the same time, which allows charge through. So uh, I can't think of any time in the last five years where I've ever needed uh, to like to use two ports at once because I just still don't have, you any have accessories to use it anyway. for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess my issue is that sometimes like that that um, dongle is not enough. Like I might yeah. need to plug more things in. Yeah, um, that's uh, fair. That's fair. like like uh, my mom is probably a not going to run is it. Not enough. How dare you offer me a second episode title? I potential. know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. No. <laughs> my mom is probably probably falls more in line with with you, Brie. But okay. But case in point, like when I go to work, so I have I have two monitors on my desk. One for my Mac. One for my PC. And my PC is connected to my service dock, which is actually awesome because I can just literally plug it into power and then it connects to the monitor and connects the the mouse and keyboard and, and connects the NIC and does all that stuff. For my uh, MacBook Pro, I have like one of the dongles that is connected to the HDMI and some other stuff. But um, if I need to plug in two additional USB ports or, or, or whatever, I don't have enough ports on that. So I have to have another adapter or at this point, I now have some USB-C direct stuff. So, you know, like for me, I guess, like I, I, I understand like why for me personally, the, the the second port is a big deal, but I can understand your position, which is if you don't have USB-C stuff, you're already at the point where like, you're going to have to have an adapter anyway. Um, but, but yeah, but I, I think that that's a big thing. I do think the lower price though, uh, is potentially the, the game changer, although it's only a hundred dollars less. Um, my bigger question, obviously I'm with you. I don't know why the MacBook, uh, air and the MacBook exist. Here's my bigger question. Why do we still have the, the, um, uh, the, 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 the touch bar or free MacBook pro? Mm-hmm. I have no idea. That's a mystery that's the one, for that's ages. The one, that's yeah. the one that, to me, could be just completely killed from the lineup. You like, know, I, you I could, think we you need to also bring in the iPad Pro here because yes. they're positioning <laughs> that against oh, yeah, laptops and not against tablets. So, yeah, you're right. You're right. Let's, and I spent as much. I spent more on my iPad Pro today than I spent on that. Um, oh, I'm so Huawei, excited to hear um, about laptop. that. Okay, so tell us all about what you got. And well, let's go through the rundown of what yeah. the iPad, uh, the iPad Pro has. Rundown of the iPad Pro. It now they've taken out the home button and replaced it with Face ID. And actually, it basically it's kind of like a big 10R. It's yeah. got the the gesture controls from the the iPhone 10. It's got the Liquid Retina screen that the 10R has. Uh, some of the big changes to it, obviously, are. Yay, Photoshop, which is coming to the um, iPad Pro, is going to be even more baller because you can run a 5K monitor off of this thing, and it's got USB-C that's optimized for file transfer and DisplayPort. Extremely cool. 
Um, and the Photoshop. Oh, and the, the new Apple Pencil, which only works with this new iPad Pro, is finally, finally, finally. magnet charging, attaches to the side of the iPad, has a flat edge so it doesn't roll, and has gesture controls, which is like, like this is a huge game changer for people who use the iPad to do work on, especially when it comes to Photoshop. So that is the rundown of the iPad Pro. They're comparing it to laptops, not tablets. So let's revisit our hierarchy (laughs) of entry-level Apple laptops. Yeah, this is right there with yeah, it. Yeah, you're um, right. Because yeah. yeah, because at this point, the iPad Pro, the 11-inch model, which is the same physical size as the 10.5-inch um, from last year, but is now bigger screen size, starts at $799. But then you have to pay another $170 if you want to get, or $180 if you want to get the keyboard. So really, you're talking about like, you know, um, over $1,000 um, to do that. The the 12.9-inch model starts at $1,000, and then it's $200 for the keyboard. <sighs> All right. So I was, I was like simultaneously very, very impressed with the iPad Pro and also simultaneously not impressed at all with the iPad Pro. <laughs> like, uh, so I'm, I'm really delighted at the Pencil 2. Yes. But it's like, come on, this is literally something the Surface line of books has had uh-huh. since day one and you literally stole every bit of it. All of it, like, like, uh, yeah. Kind of what it makes yeah. me ask more than anything because I'm I'm very pro these uh these abilities. Why did they not have that in the model one of the Apple Pencil? Thank you, thank you. Because when the Apple Pencil came out, it was not like the Surface Pen hadn't already been a thing for like years. Because it had. Yeah. And there's such a no brainer. Like I'm super excited about them, but part of that is because it's like, oh my god. Of course, of course, you need to be able to stick this extremely expensive rolling round thing to the side of your machine. I lost mine. Almost bought a new one. I'm glad I didn't. I did. I'm done Um, like that. Because I did find it. But I lost it. It was one of those things that was like, I, I got, I had to get one of those stupid, um, like sling, like attachment things for it. Like Apple sold a stupid pencil holder, which was like really expensive in a leather case. But then I'm that dumb. didn't even, I bought that, Christina. I'm okay, sorry. Okay, but see, but, but, yeah. well, yes, yeah. that was dumb because you, that didn't even attach the damn That's cover. That's right. I bought it and I'm going, if you're spending $50 for it, I'm just going to assume this will magnetically snap to right. something right. in the system. And I got no. it home and it didn't. And I was like, what the fork? This is, <laughs> this, is this is unacceptable. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh my god. Ugh. Yeah. What actually? What do we tell people who? Because I have a friend who just bought an iPad Pro with the original pencil, maybe like three months ago. Is there any upgrade offer or anything that Apple's <laughs> no. doing? This desperate nope. laughter. No, no, just, sad, no, desperate no, th- laughter. No, um, honestly, they need. <sighs> so I mean. Sell it try, and, I yeah. either try to try, try try to turn it over as fast as possible before people on Craigslist realize, or just suck it up and realize you still have a really nice laptop yeah. or you know iPad and, yeah. and, and a really good thing, and it's still going to work really well. And the software is is not going to be demonstrably you know optimized differently. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it just is look it, it's it's poor timing, unfortunately. Yeah. All right. So speaking of software, uh, what do we think about? This like as aside from the hardware changes that I mentioned, what do we think about this as a next generation iPad Pro? Yeah, I think that I think it's it makes sense. It was actually interesting when they announced when iOS twelve came out. 
this year, you could totally see that this was what they were going to do. They were going to be getting rid of the home button on the iPad because the way that they changed the operating system, um, it, it made it gesture driven the same way as the iPhone um, 10 had been. And when, when they changed, you know, the, 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 the pull down for notification, uh, for, for control center rather and, and, and the, the, the swipe up and all that stuff really, uh, you know, like enhancing the gestures. I was like, oh yeah, they're completely getting rid of the, mm-hmm. the, the, um, the home button. Um, and so I feel like, and, and this is, and this has happened before with the iPad, it, where it's, it feels like the the software revision comes out first, and you see the software, and it works on the old stuff, and you're like, okay, this is interesting. And then the the, the real product, the, the, then the upgraded hardware comes out, and you're like, oh, this is why you made those UX changes because you were planning it on this. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I think it looks good. I think, uh, you know, they are they're. Uh, the the processor seems amazing. The A twelve X, not ten, uh, Bionic um, is um, is super powerful. Um, um, eight cores um, on uh, the processor, seven cores on the GPU. They're saying that it's faster than ninety two percent of the uh, laptops sold, including i seven. So they're in inadvertently kind of taking a swipe at themselves. Um, that doesn't really mean anything though, unless you have apps that are. That, that that can do real work, which is why I think Photoshop is so exciting, and and some of the other mm-hmm. um you know potential software things. Um, yeah. That said, it, it th- this is this is where I have a hard time, and I bought one. Mm-hmm. I have a hard I have a hard time though because you're spending as much as as a laptop. You're spending more than a laptop in a lot of cases. Once you get all the accessories tricked out, you're spending more than a laptop for something that. If you have specific use cases, you can use very well as a computer and as your main machine. Um, but still has fundamental limitations that you uh, things you cannot do that you could do with a MacBook, for instance. Um, right. You know, like yeah. like like running Xcode or running a text editor, like 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 Visual Studio Code, or um, do, doing some some more advanced three D modeling stuff, or you know, like um, uh, having more than two apps open at once where the windows are visible, like mm-hmm. you know, um, ha- having more uh, like. Yeah, it's it just there. There are limitations that, to me, it irks me as somebody who spent a lot of money on some on, on this today. That I that I'm like, okay, what did I buy? Because ultimately, you can potentially do all this great stuff with it, but the software isn't as good as the hardware. Weirdly, if that makes sense, like the third party no, apps. I'm right there with you. And hand to God, I'm sitting there. I'm going through the part of the keynote with the NFL 2K stuff. And freeze framing it and like watching this demo that's supposed to be super impressive. And as someone that technically understands how they put that together, I'm a hundred percent not convinced that that could not be done on the last gen totally. iPad Pro. Maybe not with like, you know, the 4K display or 60 mm. frames a second, but you could get something really, really close to that. Um, I really enjoyed. Sorry, go yeah, on. Finish no, your thought. No, no go I was going to say yeah. something dumb for you. I was going to say I really enjoyed when they were talking about the sweat on that NBA player's face, right, and everyone right, totally. laughed. But I'm looking at that. That's just a freaking spec map, and they're going on about the hair on his face. Yeah, I'm looking at, and you can see the faceting on the side of his face, and it's just like a. It's, I mean, it's just a normal in a, a texture map there, right? Like, and his hair, hair is just alpha blades. Like, there's nothing super sophisticated that yeah. they're showing there. Even the, the, the skin shaders aren't that impressive. Uh, I'm not going to turn this into like a graphic nerd thing, but um, or the, is the question to me, oh, right. The question to me really remains, is the software ecosystem there 
today, what, three years after they released the first iPad mm-hmm. Pro to justify it. And I want to say I was mega impressed with Photoshop. I was unbelievably yes. impressed with Photoshop. Um, that said, I I think for the stylist use case, and I, I'd love to know how both of you use Photoshop, but for me, I've never... I, I use it for compositing and for like putting text in, you know, like for functional things. Like, uh, let me create a texture map for this character and I'm going to move all these elements around. It's not something I personally have ever really felt the need for a stylus for. When I do need a stylus is when I'm working with Illustrator, of which right. I'm extremely good. And I went to the Adobe forums and a lot of people were asking, like, are you planning on also bringing Illustrator to the iPad? And they're just flat out, probably not. So, you know, I I think if you look at this with the current ecosystem for the iPad Pro and you're going, is this a, is this really an upgrade? Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, how did you justify it, Christina? Well, I got the I have the nine point seven inch iPad Pro, so I I I reviewed and I'd use the twelve point nine inch. That model is just too big for me. Um, it, it it's just for 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 the way I use a tablet, it's just too big. Um, and and I was intrigued by the ten and a half inch, and I really liked you know like the 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 one hundred twenty hertz you know screen and 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 the whatever they call like the motion, um, uh, whatever. Like I I thought that was really cool, and it was it was nice, and and it was available in rose gold, and I was I was all about it, and I was just like. No, you know what? My iPad that I spent a lot of money on is still really good, and I don't use a lot of the the, the pro functionality things that make me feel like I need to upgrade. But um, okay, weirdly, I'm gonna be honest. My battery on my um, now two and a half year old iPad um, uh, Pro nine point seven is is starting to kind of give out. And whereas Apple makes battery replacement programs for the iPhone, they don't make them for the iPad. Hey. So I was kind of already in a place where I was like, I want another iPad. And I do like the three by two kind of aspect ratio of, of what they're kind of moving to. I like that kind of thing a lot. I liked the new pencil. I wanted a new toy. Um, I don't know how much I'm going to actually be able to like kind of justify how much I'll use this over anything else, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I just felt like it had been two and a half years and I, I, I just felt like it was time for a new iPad. Um, and, and, and I'm fortunate enough that I, I, I could use my Rose Gold American Express card to, <laughs> to get it. But um, I, I will say, I, I hear you on the Photoshop thing. I, when I used to use Photoshop a lot more, um, I did use to, there was a time when I used to use a, a Wacom first I had an Intuos and then I used like their bamboo and some other things. And, and especially when doing stuff with the pen tool, I found, um, you know, using like a, a, a tablet really, really useful. So I could see that being good. It is disappointing that they are not going to be bringing Illustrator, or at least they don't have plans right now, bringing Illustrator over. Mm. That said, um, Affinity Designer on the iPad is great. And I expect that to only get better and and for them to continue doing that. And, and the team behind the Affinity um, tools, there's Affinity Photos, Affinity Designer, they're, they're working on a publishing tool. They're inexpensive in comparison to the Photoshop things, but they're really full-featured and they're really good. I'm kind of hoping, looking at this, that the the, the people behind Framer um, um, X and the people behind um, you know Sketch and 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 Figma and some of those other things consider iPad Pro versions because I feel like um, this is now kind of potentially becoming the platform where you could do really great stuff in that perspective. Um, I'm not convinced on the keyboard at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it looks better 
I will likely, if I get a keyboard, it will likely be one that Apple does not make just because I have not been impressed by their smart keyboards. So for you, when you're comparing the this the iPad Pro to Apple's laptop lineup, it's more of a comparison in name, but in practice, it doesn't no. hold up at all. No, no, because for me, I I'm not I'm not like Jason Snell. I'm not like you know Federico Vici. I'm not um you know uh, Ben Brooks. I'm not one of those people who can do everything on an iPad. Yeah, and like make that my personal computer. And and I'm I'm going to be honest with you. I don't want to be one of those people. <laughs> um, I, 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 I use I'm my, my device. Jason right now. I love Jason, but like, no, I don't want to be one of those people. Like, that's not how I use them. That's not how I use my devices. So I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm, um, I'm really excited about the new pencil. The new pencil seems like the gesture stuff seems great. Yeah. What was interesting to me, kind of again, going back to what you were saying, Brie, about the, the app ecosystem, I'm with you and, and not knowing if it's there yet. I feel like it's really promising that Adobe is showing up and that's yes. awesome. Yes. I think yes. that's huge. And, and frankly, Adobe has wanted to be there for a really long time. I think that it's, it's taken maybe them having to work with Apple some and, and maybe, you know, re- fighting to kind of, kind of get it where it is but i'm really excited that real photoshop is coming and that they're going to have some of the other tools i am disappointed that you know apple makes logic apple makes final cut why do we not have final cut 10 on an ipad pro why do we not have logic um 10 on an ipad pro like to me especially when you have 5k output is what you're saying because you have the USB-C and when you can do all this stuff and you're talking about how people can use these as professional you know tools why is Apple's professional software not on the iPad? And that's not a rhetorical question, no. Apple. Please call yeah. Christina up and justify yourself. Like, no, I mean, because I, I mean, you know, or, or, yeah, no, genuinely, yeah. Or, or do you have plans to? Because to me, it seems like a huge missed opportunity because one of the things that Adobe uh, um, announced when they, uh, a couple weeks ago, is they announced Adobe Rush, which is like kind of like a, a, a YouTuber's version of Premiere. And um, it, it has some deficiencies, and it's not perfect, but it's it's a uh, it's it's a you know a, a kind of a quick and dirty kind of editing tool, and that is going to be available on the iPad and on right. the iPhone, right? Yeah. People are already using Premiere in a lot of those ways. Like Apple, come on! Like you have an opportunity to have a really great mobile workstation that you could kind of say people, especially with some of your, you know, how powerful this thing is to really do amazing video stuff or, or audio editing stuff with your own software, which which when you optimize it correctly, you know, run circles around the competition. Like, why, why I don't know, I, I, I want to see that. I think if we could see that, I would feel more committed to the idea that the iPad could be a MacBook replacement. Mm-hmm. I mean, Simone, when you do video editing, I mean, I don't know what it's like for you, but... For me, it's a process I think would really go well with touch. Do you know what I mean? Because I find when I edit video, it's all in the the sound effects and the sound going with the video at the same time. And the, you know, like editing just the right second and getting your level so it flows along. I just, I it's like when I think about running Photoshop on an iPad, so much of Photoshop is like memorizing the keyboard shortcuts, you know, which I will <laughs> know a hundred years from now. Video editing, at least the way I do it, it's it's not the same way. I mean, do you think I'm right there? Or, yeah, what do you think? I guess if, assuming that all, because I use a lot of keyboard shortcuts in uh, Premiere as well, but assuming that those can be replaced by gestures, um, 
I, I could see it carrying over really well, but I think what you come up against is just the the varying ways that people store their video content. Like yeah. we have ours on yeah. a protected server that's, you right. know, all of Fox Media <laughs> has, you know, varying degrees of access to it. Um, and you would have to use a VPN to connect to it without being hardwired in. Um, so, which maybe is possible, but it, but it, it's kind of like, it, it it's a difficult the data is just there's so much more information that you need to be transferring. Um, so I, I think with video, because it's so unpredictable, like, are you making a two minute long Facebook video or am I making a, a longer, like, half hour gameplay video? I need to do both occasionally and I need, like, vastly different kind of amounts of storage for that. So I I feel like... It, it it's a little unpredictable, if that makes sense. See, that's a use case where I think if Apple were really serious about addressing the pro market, I, I could see that working, Simone, with the pipeline where you have two USB-C ports on yeah. it mm. and something is connected to you know, just a Cat5 or Cat6 cable and you can connect to that. Because I think yeah. most... Most people have, um, like, I don't know about you, but I've got, like, all my video, my archived video in a, uh, what is, it's not a Drobo, it's some... Synology? Yeah, Synology. The Synology is down in my basement. Five drives in there, right? Yeah. I I think if they were working on those solutions, I think that would give it a lot more credibility. I think that Adobe keynote trick where she's doing Photoshop and then she does the A, you know, pulls it out and it's AR of the crowd. It was a really cute aha moment, but I'm sitting there and watching it. There's no practical use for that. Yeah. So, Enough. you know. Yeah, no, I, I yeah, I agree with you, Bree. And and speaking of that, that is my one disappointment with the USB-C on this iPad Pro is that um, people have said that it is not going to support external storage. So, which, like, I, I don't, I don't understand that. Um, you know, they're 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 talking, they're touting about the fact that you can connect your camera to it and, and offload things from your camera roll directly to the iPad and then make your photo edits or potentially video edits or whatever. Um, but why can't I plug in an external hard drive, especially yep. since I have yeah. USB-C drives? Like that yeah, to me would be way more useful. And then useful. external storage would be big. And like, I, I, I guess uh, thinking about video, the difference between the editing I can do on my iMac is obviously hugely different from what I, I'm able to do on my uh, 15-inch MacBook Pro. So it w- it would have to be comparable slash better than the MacBook Pro that I have to be yeah. useful to me. And I'm not sure that it would be. Yeah. And then especially I, I, in a case where the iMac is just obscenely so much faster than the MacBook already. Meh. Right. I, I would say this, and this is not an editing scenario, but this is like a live switching scenario. Um, so we use um, like a, um, a a setup that uh, uh, from, um, I, I guess it's um, um, like, a, I, can't, I can't remember who's behind it. It's um uh, Sling Studio. Yeah, we use Sling Studio. Basically, it's kind of like a wireless TriCaster. Mm-hmm. When we need to, uh, if, if we if we're on a shoot where we can't have the full TriCaster and whatnot, and basically lets us, you know, you can have multiple cameras, multiple mics, multiple shots done in, and then you use the iPad as your switcher, and you can see multiple camera angles, and you can literally in real time, you know, hit, you know, um, uh, you know, switch angles, and then it's recording 
to, um, you know, an SD card, um, you know, um, either in the camera or in the um, uh, device. And the iPad is perfect for that. Like, it's honestly better in a lot of cases than using the the, the TriCaster's ridiculous, uh, uh, you know, uh, keyboard and, 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 and interface. Um, but, uh, you know, people have had to kind of create these systems around that. You know, it would be really cool if if Apple, like, would would open up the capabilities to do more with that. Like, it's great that you can plug this in now to a 5K monitor, um, which, you know, but but it's, you know, but, but at the same time, it's like being able to go that one step above to be mm-hmm. able to do certain things would, would be really, would be really interesting. Shall we talk about the Mac Mini? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I... It's not dead. I wow. uh, wrote down two things. For the Mac, I have like uh, extensive notes for everything. And then for the Mac Mini, I wrote down four cores, five (laughs) times faster. So to somebody else, somebody who maybe is interested in slash would use this device, does somebody else want to handle the summarizing for this one? Yeah. So, uh, Bree, do you have anything you want to say? I don't want to. I, don't I mean, speak over it's you. mildly upgraded. I, I don't know what to say. Uh, like, no, yeah. it's actually it's a significant yeah. upgrade. But well, okay, it's a, fine. It's significantly upgraded. But does it? Uh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's been like four years or something. It's been since it's the been Mac Mini was last updated. Years. Uh, it, it, it it's been years since there was any significant update to the to the Mac Mini. Um, this improves things in a, in a couple of ways. One, um, you either get the quad core or the uh, hexacore um, um, uh, Intel uh, uh, CPU. So the same as what's in the the current um, iMac or, or MacBook Pros, rather. Uh, but you still get the integrated graphics, which is weird. Um, two, finally, this is a big deal. Uh, memory is upgradable again. Uh, they did this thing a couple years ago where you were no longer able to upgrade the memory on your Mac Mini, which is idiotic. So now the 27-inch um, uh, 5K iMac, the iMac Pro, if you take it to an Apple store, and the new Mac Mini are the only Macs where you can actually upgrade your own memory. Um, a three, um, it's now SSD um, all, all th- straight through for uh, for storage. Uh, for the port situation is actually pretty good. So it's, uh, uh, you know, USB C Thunderbolt 3, but there's also regular USB A. There's also, um, I believe, like a, a, an HDMI, and um, there is no SD card slot. But, um, you know, port wise, it's actually uh, a fairly robust. Uh, oh, there is eth- uh, a gigabit Ethernet or whatever. So, so it's, it's fairly robust on that regard. Um, I'm glad that they updated this because I know people who use this for like server scenarios to run things or to like kind of, you know, run things in their home um, really like it. My only kind of thing is I still feel like the price point is completely is, is too high for how long it's been. And I've been looking at at wanting I, I'm going to be on um, a, a, a download um, on um, Thursday with uh, Jason Snell and um, Stephen Hackett, and I'm going to be talking about it with them. Jason built a Hackintosh uh, using an Intel Nook uh, a couple years ago uh, to replace his Mac Mini. And based on the pricing, I want to know from him, like, would he, like, do that again? Or would he, um, you know, get a Mac Mini? Because when I price it out, I just feel like it's too expensive. Um, I, I, I'm, glad they, I'm glad they updated it. But the Mac Mini originally... The whole thing was that it was $500. You brought your own mouse and keyboard, and it was the cheapest way to get a Mac. Now yeah. it starts at $800. Bucks and, Yikes. you know, I, I, don't, I don't feel like it's competitive to what other solutions are out there, especially since 
you can hack and tosh um, uh, uh, desktops way easier than you can laptops. And uh, and that way, if you want Mac OS, you can do it. Well, it's also not like Apple has an official like modern display, right? So it's not like like Apple's last time they upgraded their official display was the the Thunderbolt, right? Well, uh, no, the well, Thunderbolt. They, they, well, well, no, they, they they work with LG to make the LG 5K and 4K displays. Okay, so I mean, they have partners. So I'm saying like official Apple uh, stuff. Oh, yeah, no, it's no, they, not yeah, like, no, yeah, no, they no longer do. Yeah, exactly. Right. So it's not like um, you know, it's not like people have. Like it's been so long since Apple has shipped a monitor that it's not like people have a spare, you know, monitor around their house or keyboard the way that that they used to. You know, like when this product came out a few years ago, it was not uncommon to have that just sitting around. But now we're so far into the the notebook future that it's like, I mean, the iMac with the display, especially the Retina model comes with, is so amazing. Oh, it's yeah. like they just throw in the 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 processor and all that stuff for free. So um, I'm not going to lie. I was looking at this and, you know, I've got a couple of uh, older Apple ACD displays in my office. And I'm looking at this. I'm like, huh, that wouldn't be a halfway bad way to get Frank like his own backup machine here at the house. But, you know, it's, it's, you know, we were talking about earlier in the show how IBM like is purchasing Red Hat to get more in the server space. I think when this product came out, you know, quite a while ago, you had Mac mini Colorado and people like that using as like a server center. I think there was more of a use case for that, but like they showed a pic at the keynote claiming that like they were rendering Candy Crush on like a set of a hundred MacBook minis, Mac minis. And I just laughed at that understanding, like what the process of compiling that software is actually like, like it's just, it's laughable. I, I think there's a, a case for this. and I'm happy to see this product isn't dead. I just think until Apple like puts out a a really good Retina monitor, I just I don't know. This is by far the least sexy product that they brought out, and the MacBook Air was one of the products. So just yeah, I, I I I think that you kind of nailed actually what the real use case for this is. The Mac Mini used to be the cheap way to get a Mac in your house. Now I think that it is um, a machine that you buy for a studio. Like I could see, you know, Vox Media, especially since the the trash can, um, you know, a Mac Pro Rip. is is not is is not something that anybody should buy right now. You know, the the, the next one, you know, uh, will hopefully be good, but the, the current one is not something people should buy. But if you needed a rendering station, if you needed to do some other stuff, like it's a good machine for that. It's definitely one of those things where if you're doing a lot of builds for games or for other applications, whether it's for Mac or iOS, it's a good choice. But I think the real people who use this are the people at, at you know at Mac Stadium, which is like the 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 the, the colo kind of thing that they showed off. Um, or you know we we have a, um, a an offering for Azure called App Center, which does something similar, where you're actually renting like server time on real yep. Mac hardware, and and you're able to do your builds in the cloud. Um, now to do that, you know, you need, uh, devices and obviously you could use laptops, but Apple doesn't make servers anymore. You know, they stopped making XServe years ago. Um, but people have created, you know, they've even created racks up to, to make the, 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 the minis mountable. So I almost feel like this is a product that they updated just because they have a high volume of, of customers who use these in other ways rather than like, I don't know how many consumers are going to buy this, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. All right. 
Well, this has wrapped up our feelings on the on today's Apple event. Shall we get heated about the PlayStation Classic? Oh my God! Yes, I'm, I'm going to let you guys talk. What, what, this, what the uh, frack? Wow. I mean, wow! It. I, I knew that. I, I knew. I knew the game lineup lineup was going to be bad. We. But knew. really, <laughs> really, guys. So the PlayStation Classics game lineup was announced yesterday. And it is a bit underwhelming. Uh, you've got your classics like your Final Fantasy VII, but then you've also got just kind of a lot of... I mean, I could read the whole list of 20 games to you, but um, I'm not going to waste time doing that. But basically, it's missing kind of all of any of the games when we were talking about how this device is coming out any of the games that we were like oh i'd love to see that on the playstation classic or rather any of the games that brianna and christina said that about because i was <laughs> because you like you, a you tiny were baby too young and yeah. i don't right. have that so obviously this is the lineup is underwhelming because as chris plant pointed out on polygon.com a lot of playstation's best games are made by third parties and a lot yeah. of them involve things like you know, characters that don't belong to them that might be in their own remakes this year or reboots or remasters music that they no longer have the licenses to um, things like that, that they can't really control and would be really time consuming to, to bring back into the Sony fold. So the PlayStation mm. classic is going to be uh, a box that yeah. people hack and yes. then run emulated games on. Totally. So, so uh, I am going to, for you, Simone, I'm going to put a picture of the fighting game they've included here, Battle Arena Toshinden. Excellent. And I want Toshinden, you to baby. see. I want you to see how great these graphics are of this very classic game. Oh, I that can't was a wait. Pretty fighter, to be honest. I like. I like Battle Arena. I I liked it, but. Oh, I know. Look, I think we all have to be honest. The the PlayStation of all of our classic gaming things has held up the worst. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, out of all these, uh, Rich Racer Type 4, this was, you know, they had the JogCon for this. So I'm one of the super Ridge Racer fans. I went out and bought the $100 controller. It had like a force feedback yep. steering wheel yep. in the middle of it. Um but it's like the music isn't great. Volcano Vehicle is the only really classic song from that soundtrack. I mean, it's 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 story based, but that's not really what you go to to a Ridge Racer for. So, in my opinion, this is like the third worst Ridge Racer game on PSX. Yeah. Well, and also, if you're gonna have a um, a, a racing game on the PlayStation, why is it not Gran Turismo, which is right. a Sony property? Like that. Right. I mean, look, I, I get that you might have that might cost money, get licenses, whatever. But Sony, it is your title, it is your property, and yeah. and and like, I I don't. But isn't don't that one like it. even more complicated because of the car licensing? We I, I agree, but again, Sony is the publisher and and these are older things and they've had past versions, I believe, of Gran Turismo in um the various uh haven't they released that for, for virtual consoles? I don't think they have actually. No. Okay, well, I mean, look, I would buy that in a hot second. I mean, look, it did. might cost yeah. them money. I'm not saying that it won't, but if you want to sell these things, people will pay it. And again, is your like intellectual like it, it's your game? Um, I don't know. I I feel like that the car licensing I'm sure is is probably behind it, but I just feel like it's it's an insult to have Ridge Racer 
um, and 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 not Gran Turismo. Like Ridge Racer, <laughs> the original Ridge Racer is a great game. That I agree. Still holds I agree. Today. Ridge Racer Revolutions is a better version of it. Ridge Racer is not the best, but um, this is just okay. So we're talking about raced enough. I mean, here, Revelations Persona, I don't even know what the frack that is. I believe I, it is the first yeah. Persona game. Is it the first yes, Persona game? Yes, because I, I was actually just reading about this because I was uh, doing a video on The World Ends With You uh, and trying oh, to figure out what so other good. games came out that so were like good, by the way. based in oh. real life. Yeah, great. Um, so I, that sounded really dismissive. I didn't mean it to come out that way. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, games in like real locations. And I was like, well, the Persona games have always been like super based in real uh, locations. And yeah, I, I'm pretty okay. sure Revelations Persona was the first Persona game, which does not necessarily mean that it is incredible and memorable. Yeah. I mean, you know, if it hasn't been released, I've never heard of it. That's that's not a good sign. Puzzle Fighter Turbo, objectively good game. Uh, Siphon Filter plays like trash today. Absolutely, uh, I, have, I, I, yeah. I haven't played. I haven't played it since 1999 or 2000 or whatever. I loved it. I loved it then. So it I was don't. Great I, back then. It's it's before we came up with the dual um, joystick like language to play these games. Right, and it's really hard to play in a modern context. Uh, which that actually brings up a good point, which is a lot of these games. So the, the controller they're shipping with this is the classic controller, which you know makes sense. It's the classic, but most of these games really benefited from using the DualShock, Correct. and so it's 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 going to be interesting how people are going to a people are just used to having the joysticks. Period. But I, I it's going to be weird playing some of these games without it. Um, yeah. Mr. Driller is a great game. I'm not opposed <laughs> yeah. to that. Yeah. Uh, I, I I I'm down with that. Grand Theft Auto. Could you at least do GTA two or or yeah. one of the one of the uh, one of the, one of the city things? Because here's the thing: before GTA three, the Grand Theft Auto games are trash; they're terrible. Yep. But yep. but Grand Theft Auto, the first one, is the worst. Like yep. there's there there's two, and then there's like a there's like a London one, um, which is kind of like a an add on pack or whatever, which are slightly better. But basically, the the old style ones when it was like the you know um top o, down. over o, top yep. down approach, it's like Frogger. It's like it's not it's not good. Oh no. Um, and so, which is why when the open mo- world mode of, of of GTA three came out for the PS two, we were all like, oh my god, this is so cool. Like, uh, if you're going to do one of these games, get Driver. Driver is not a good game, does not hold up, but Driver is better than Grand Theft Auto. I agree. Um, M- Metal Gear Solid, okay, fair. Like the, great. Great, great, great game. Great and, game. And, and, and I'm glad that's there, and I'm glad they paid Konami for that. But it benefits from the dual joysticks a lot, I, I, that it title. Does. So. I, b- dead on. Resident Evil Director's Cut. This is where I get pissed off. Uh-oh. I'm very glad the Director's Cut is there. I'm very glad because that did add some things and it was a great re-release. Again, though, it was re-released for Director's Cut for the DualShock. So that's weird. But they're doing this huge promo. There's all this attention around the, the reimagining of Resident Evil 2. Where is Resident Evil 2? What the hell? Right. Because honestly, what perfect way to tie in because the people, look, people like, oh, it, 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 would, it would cannibalize sales. You're, sorry, sorry, you have to believe that, Simone, but Gonna bullshit. Because it. people because people who would buy Resident Evil 2, the remastered version, uh, like will who are fans, will obviously buy the PlayStation Classic. We, we want the new version, but we want the old one too. Right. Like it's it, it it's not a choice. And people who just want the remastered one, they don't care about the PlayStation Classic anyway, because they don't even remember it. Right. 
No, you're dead on there. I do have to say the Resident Evil Director's Cut, it has the hold down when you press start and you get twice as much ammo, which is a really easy way to go through that game for the first time. So that's the only good thing I could say about that. But look, Resident Evil 2 is a better game it is. under any definition. Absolutely, because Would she's be the better. hero. Uh, no, it's, of course. Yeah, I, uh, well, it's him and Leash. Uh, yeah, I, I know. Yeah, but, but yeah, but anyway, but, 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 no I know. But Leon. nobody cares about yeah. him. It's, all, yeah. about, it's yeah. all about Claire. But yeah. yeah. But like, again, that's a third party company. That's them talking to Capcom that has to happen. Yeah, of course. It's not really but, under but, their control. Well, yeah, because, well, okay, and, and in fairness, the PlayStation was Sony's first console. So most of their first party games were not going to be good. I mean, Nintendo was unique in that they made games and had some properties before they built their own consoles. But even like the, 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 the NES classic, you know, um, although there was a ton of Nintendo stuff, there were third party things too. They had, you know, Tecum, um, uh, you know, Super Bowl and, and, uh, uh, some other things, you know, but, but speaking of first party, all right. So, so where's Parappa? Mm. Whereas, um, you know, honestly, where's Parappa? Because because Naughty Boy, like Sony, like that was Sony. Like where is uh, where's Spiro? You have called where is, their bluff. Uh, uh, yeah, where where is Spiro? Where is um um Crash Bandicoot? Like Final Fantasy Tactics, Christina Warren. That's what <laughs> I want to know. Where is or it? Final, or Final Fantasy Eight, for that matter. You know, like oh. I'm tired of Seven. I've played Seven too many freaking times, and they've remade it so many times that it kills me. I'm at least glad this will be the classic. But give me Eight. I mean, like this is just this is trash, and I'm very upset. But you're gonna just, buy it anyway. I, yeah, no, I'm not canceling my pre-order. I'm not crazy. Um, <laughs> this is going to be hacked so fast, like because the Vita. How how long did it take for the Vita to get to get hacked? Moments, right? So, Moments. so we have we have to assume this is basically just a Vita, but like in a plastic you know shell that looks like a PlayStation with a crappier controller. Like I'm a, I'm also looking forward to eight bit dough like coming out with like true Dual Shock stuff. I can't like yeah, you know. So so we will be saved by by people who are not Sony, but like. <laughs> And, and I'm going to shut up because I'm sorry I've talked too much. But like, no, you have you're a lot of feelings. Okay, but like Nintendo showed off how you do this correctly. Nintendo gave Sony the perfect playbook of saying this is how you ramp up nostalgia and you get people excited, and then they will continue to buy like updated versions of your properties or whatever. And Nintendo worked with third parties. Now, like, look. We know that when the inevitable Nintendo 64 Mini comes out, that there's no way that we will ever get GoldenEye because of, of you know, MGM, in that case, licensing, and, and also the whole rare, you know, divorce situation. I get yes. that. But, it, you know, and again, people will figure out a way to, to do it. But we might get Perfect Dark, like, honestly. Perfect like that, Dark that, is great. Yeah. But, 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 they, but they still managed, you know, to, to get a lot of other um, titles, you know, um, on, on there from third parties. I get that Sony's, like you know, a uh, first party catalog isn't that deep, but they're the most powerful company in video games. Hey, like it just, Hey, it's just, no it's Tony really Hawk. disappointing. Wait, no Tony thank you. Hawk. I was going to say, you already have Activision on here a couple of times. Tony Hawk has the music. Get, um, yeah, I know. And Tony Hawk has been re-released on multiple platforms many times and they've licensed it each and every time. So like, I don't, I mean, look, Goldfinger is going to be happy to get like that, that like to get five cents. Honestly, they, they, <laughs> they, 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 they th- those bands who, you know, will be, genuinely will like take the mechanical licensing fees. They'll be like, oh, my God. Hell yeah. Like Crazy Taxi came out for Dreamcast. R- r- Crazy Taxi came out for iOS and kept the original music. Yep. 
So it's possible. Like, I, I don't buy this licensing BS because Crazy Taxi came out for iOS and still had um, um, offspring. So I, yep. I just, yeah. One more thing I want to say. I think Tekken, this is, so Tekken is my game series. And so one of the reasons I really, really got into fighting games is a boy I had a huge crush on got a job in an arcade and let me play Tekken 2 Anytime I want. I spent an entire summer and I was like, I'm going to do nothing but learn Tekken 2 this summer. And I went there every single day for a literal year and worked on my Tekken 2 skills. And I know everything there is to know about that game. Tekken 3 is a really good game and the cinematics are better. But I have to say the under the under like the fighting engine underneath it, I do think Tekken 3 is a little gimmicky. Compared to two, yeah, I think as far as like a first exposure to Tekken, I think Tekken Two is it's it's more basic. It's not as flaily. Do you know mm. what I mean? And yeah, I I I think it's defensible to put Tekken Three in there instead because it does look so much better. But I even that I'm just I I'm I'm really underwhelmed, Christina. I am too. Also, also when we're talking about fighting games. All right, so they gave us, and, and you can't say that it's not a licensing thing because they give us stupid super puzzle fighter. Where is Street Fight? Where is Super Street Fighter Alpha? Seriously, where's Street Fighter in this? Because Nintendo gave us Street Fighter. Street Fighter on PSX was a really rough translation, and the load times made it really unplayable. Uh, that said, you know, this isn't running on CD, so maybe. No, it's not. Yeah, this is my there's point. no so, reason for that. Yeah, like th- this is this is my point. So like, I just, I I, I don't get it. Like, I'm sorry, Christina. I'm sorry that you're <laughs> suffering. <laughs> I'm just really happy about the about all the opportunities um uh, for for homebrew on this. That's that's really that's really where I get excited. If someone gets sued over this, I hope they just walk into court. And they're like, you know, Sony, you create this. Is your fault. Like you made it so Look I had you to built. commit this crime. Like and no court would commit. If you build them, it, so. they will hack. Yeah. Yeah. There no. Seriously. Like I'm. <laughs> yes. And you know what? And hack they will. And we and we will. We will like embrace. Um, arrest me. Do it. Like <laughs> prove it. Prove it. Prove it. Like I'm. I'm talking about it. But like you don't have video proof. You don't know. You don't know. <laughs> I mean, your next job <laughs> needs to be like in licensing for Sony negotiations for Sony. Uh, ooh, yeah, I, I yeah, I, cool. I, I, I would really, I would, I would really like that job. I would love just because. Come on, how how much more do you think you're gonna get? Do, do, do you want no dollars or do you want two dollars? Like, uh. <laughs> Christine, I'm just picturing you on the phone with Capcom. Like, what do you think you're doing? You think this is gonna cannibalize your new release? You're an idiot. <laughs> Yes. And that's my Christina Warren impression for today. <laughs> All right, ladies, what are we doing this week? Brianna. I am marveling at Kanye's new political stance. Oh on my Twitter. God. Is it, in, is it continuing? <gasps> I, I don't even want to give Kanye any more breath. No, I'm just going to no, say I'm going to marvel at it. Yeah, so. he, he, Kanye has given up on politics. <laughs> Say he he is he realizes he is being used. So uh, I oh can't, lord, I can't, can't, I can't, I can't. Uh, what am I doing this week? Uh, uh well, we've hired a team, so we are sitting here. We're working on our 2020 bid. Uh, I went through my phone uh, today. I was looking at all the great messages Rocket listeners sent me, and I texted a lot of you back. So. 
there's that. Uh, and beyond that, uh, just enjoying the fact that the Red Sox won the World Series Woo! again. Woo! Again. Congrats. Again. Yeah, I earned it. Me. <laughs> <laughs> Put that on your platform for next year. <laughs> what about you, Christina? Um, I'm crying over uh, the game selection <laughs> of the PS, uh, of the PlayStation Classic. Um, no, I, uh, I'm, I'm going to be in, um, I will be back for, for, for rocket next week. I don't know how we're going to do our 200th show, but, um, I'm going to be, um, speaking at Purdue's, uh, Donner Doom, um, conference, um, next week. Whoa, and I'm really nice. excited about that. So I'm going to be, uh, you know, planning, I'm, I'm finalizing my talk and, and whatnot this week. And, uh, yeah, uh, and, and screaming to the void because Crash Bandicoot, like, how, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. It's just, yeah. Parasite Eve! What oh, yeah, that's f- going to be on the Japanese Ooh. release of the console, which is an actual crime. Okay, okay. Well, you know what? This is really good news, though, because that means that they have the Japanese ROMs or whatever, which means that, like, again, like, this is going to be hacked so easily, and we're just going to put ROMs on it, and it's fine. It's fine. Sony, we we gave you a chance for us to do this, like, legally and, and buy the books, <laughs> and, and you failed us. So you've given us no other choice but to... You know, how do you sell a mini PlayStation and not let us play Parasite Eve on it, honestly? That's, it's uh, fine, Christina Warren says. It's fine. Quote it's for fine. the episode. I, this week, uh, oh gosh, I have such a busy week, mostly because NaNoWriMo is starting again. Oh. Yay. Everyone loves that whole month of me dying. Um, and, of course, Halloween is tomorrow. Happy Halloween. Say, surprise, we're recording this on Tuesday. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm extremely excited because I am going to get to play with the Magic Leap this week. Ooh. And I can talk about that. Um, but I have nothing to say about it so far, uh, except that it exists. I have access to it, and I'm very excited to uh, see what it can do when it is on my face. So stay tuned. This is your teaser for next week's episode of Rocket, is that I will have firsthand impressions on that. I would also like to share with everyone this CNN headline that I'm looking at, which says, Kanye West seeks separation from politics. Good luck with that, buddy. (laughs) Which is extremely good headline. (laughs) It is, but it's like, really, could you have, you know, maybe just not gotten involved yeah. anyway? I don't know. Christina, no wipeout. Wipeout's <laughs> not on it. I know, I know, which, ugh. You know what? At this point, I've given up on the PlayStation Classic, and I'm just going to start begging that we get a Dreamcast Classic. <laughs> <laughs> because A, the first party titles were amazing. B, Sega doesn't, like, all they do is publishing now anyway. And, uh, and the Dreamcast, for my money, had the best uh i think the best lineup of of of, of, you know quality games like dollars to donuts that for the last for the you know uh like the turn of the century like i think dreamcast was it all right where can we find you online uh lover of old games you can find me at retro girl no i'm kidding Uh, (laughs) you can find me at at film underscore girl on the twitters and the instagrams and you can find the stuff that i do at work at youtube.com slash microsoft developer what about you, Brianna? Uh, first of all, it's classic games, not old games. It's oh, classic my mistake. Games. I, I, I mispronounced it. Is yeah. actually, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. think you heard me correctly. <laughs> Do you need <laughs> me to say it louder? No, mm. no, no. Also, I just want to say, uh, no Silent Hill on that system either. God. either. Uh, no Odd World, <sighs> Abe's Odyssey, uh, no Tomb Raider. 
no Street Fighter Alpha 3, no Spyro, no uh, Suikoden, uh, no Legend of Dragoon, no Crash Team Racing, no uh, No Legacy of Kane. Like, no Legacy of Kane. Wait, it does no have Chrono Odd World Names Odyssey. Oh, does it? Okay, fun. Correction. Sorry, uh, one single yeah. correction. No Final Fantasy IX, Simone. No yeah. Symphony of the Night, Simone. Isn't Final Fantasy IX coming out for the Switch? I have no idea, is it? Yeah, so who cares? Double dip. People will buy both. Like, yeah. this is what but they don't understand. Square Enix isn't licensing it to both. Well, that's Whatever. Square Enix's fault. No like, Vagrant they should. Story. No Vagrant Story, which has the best soundtrack. Oh, my God. No Vagrant Story. Oh, <sighs> oh no Lunar Star Story Complete, Like, oh. uh, which, which was like the one good Saturn game that then got ported to the PlayStation was awesome. Like, what the hell? Stay tuned for the next two hours of Rock <laughs> <laughs> No Lunar Just Star Story Complete. Just do this forever. <laughs> right. You can find me at Space Cat Cow. Tell me which games they should have put on here. Give me your biggest outrage. Yes, and I yes, will, yeah. yeah. Add me to that, too, because my, like, mm, uh, mm. Yeah, I can't believe the Japanese version of the PlayStation Classic is getting Ark the Lad and Ark the Lad 2. And we're stuck here with our wild arms and our our jumping flash. What? Oh my god, no Dance Dance Revolution! <laughs> yeah, but you have to have the mat for that. It's it's playable with the controller. I'm just saying. So I'm just Lord. saying, like that that game is the mat. But like, okay. yeah, fair, fair. All right, you can find me on Twitter at Doom Quasar and at YouTube.com/slash Polygon, where you can see all of Polygon's Red Dead Redemption coverage uh, and all of the other things that we do as well. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, where you can give us a five-star rating. They actually took out all the other star options. They said, maybe if we if we take these out, Sony will put all the games Christina wants on the PlayStation mm-hmm. Classic. But it, it was a failed gambit, unfortunately. It did not work. It was. But to honor that sacrifice, we should all rate the podcast five stars, just in honor yes. of that that happened. Um, and share it with your friends, too. And tell them... If they have, well, if they have strong feelings about uh, retro PlayStation games, this is the podcast for you, friends. Share it around. Thank you, everyone. This episode of Rocket is terminated. No Dino Crisis terminated. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Terminated.